Hey, this is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Biro. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. Hello, my name is Matt Simon. I am a science writer at Wired Magazine and author of the new book, The Wasp That Brainwashed the Caterpillar. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Salas. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreessen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Proofus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Clemens of Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of Positive Autistic. I'm Jeremiah Bomek, the producer of The Real of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift Talk Show, blogtalkradio.com. Deep within the molten core of a dying star. That's hot. From the snow-capped mountaintops of Middle Earth. Orbiting above the Earth in a stolen alien spacecraft. The Graveyard Shift Online Radio Talk Show. Now, strap on your seatbelt, get ready to kneel, true believers, because here's your host, Emmy. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Graveyard Shift Talk Show. 
heck if I know what it is. I've got one of the latest high-tech cameras that you can have as a webcam, so I know that's not the reason. My audio equipment is pretty damn good. I mean, this is one of the most sensitive mics out there. I mean, I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm making love to this mic. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, baby, I love this mic. I'm going to make love to you, baby. Oh, you're so sensitive. See, so it's like, you know, I know it's not the mic. I, you know, this beautiful, I absolutely am in. Is there such a, a thing as gay machine love? Because I'm a guy. I, I always envision this machine as a guy. So, you know, it would be like gay love, but it would be like a machine. Or gay, gay inter, what would you call it? Biomechanical? Gay biomechanical love with this Focusrite Scarlet Solo audio interface. I freaking love it. I know I'm not the only one that uses it, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. I know it's not that. I don't know what is causing the delay of video because when I'm looking at it live, hello, I'm looking at it live and it's not skipping. It's not the ink like that, see? And uh, I'm getting a whole bunch of likes, which I love. Thank you for the likes. I love those. I love to see so many people online live during my show. It, it brings me purpose in my otherwise dreary and passionless life that I love. Oh, my God. So thank you so much for your likes and all your uh the, the, the stuff that you share, I've seen those happen. Now, I know that with this particular audience, you guys don't exactly interact with me like other shows. So you don't, like, I know you're not on Facebook as much as you usually, you know, you see other people. Like, the only way I know that there are so many people online is because I see the numbers myself when I go live. And I wish I could figure out a way because I've tried taking pictures of it, but it doesn't work. I don't know, for some reason. But anyway... Whatever, I see the you guys out there. I want to thank you very much. I appreciate your fanaticism, as it were. So, what was happening with Emmy earlier today? Well, for those of you that are in the know, for those of you that are, um, you know, following me, I was on a great radio show earlier this morning at – local super WQBN 1300 AM radio station with the very lovely Milagros Guevara. Uh, She has a talk show called Uniendo Corazones, which for those of you do not speak Japanese, first of all, it's not Japanese. What the hell's wrong with you? No, it's in Spanish. Spanish. It means, you know, basically bringing hearts together or uniting hearts. Really. That's the literal translation. And basically, her show is about um, bringing people together, okay? And what she does is she has callers call into the show, and they are looking for some, you know, someone, a significant someone. And um, whether that's, you know, a a new boyfriend, a girlfriend, you know, uh, some quick little romance, or maybe just a friend. And what they do is they call in to her show. They leave their number right there live on the air. And if somebody wants to call them, they call them. And that's it. And then, you know, just leave it to fate, basically, is what Milagros does. She just leaves it to fate. And while she does that, she also plays uh, very cool music from yesteryear, like romantic music. From, now, I should say this is in Spanish, okay? So this is 
you know, we're talking about, you know, music from people like, you know, Julio Iglesias and um, Luis Miguel, well, not Luis Miguel, really, but like um, Rafael, who is like one of the, or if not one of the most famous Latin, Latin um, adult contemporary artists that there is out there. A guy called Ed Puma, if you don't know who I'm talking about, look him up. Uh, Juan Luis Guerra, I think, is, is the actual name of the guy. Anyway, so she plays the music from all these people in between the, the calls. And um, oh, she asked me to come on board um, today. And um, she wanted to kind of inject some youth vitality and some energy into her program. And first of all, I want to tell you guys, this woman does not need youth. She is unbelievable. She has she is so youthful herself. She brings enough youth to the program. So first of all, I I just think she's a, a really talented lady, very very sweet, very nice woman. If you want to support her, and I really uh, urge you to please support my good friend Milagros on her program. It's uniendocorazones.com. That's you. N-I-E-N-D-O-C-O-R-A-Z-O-N-E-S.com. And she's on locally in the Tampa market at 1300 a.m. on your radio dial, Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And it's just a really cool show. And then I'll be there. So if you guys want to want to listen in live, you can call in. And as long as you're behaving, as long as you're speaking in Spanish, because I'm sorry, but if you guys speak in English, even though I could understand you, and Milagros can't understand English, but that station is very exclusive to being in Spanish, where we'd have to cut you off if you if you come in and, and start saying, hey, Abby, it's me. I'm your great friendship fan. <laughs> so, you know, but that's, uh, that's her. And she's actually on my Facebook friends page. If you guys are following me on Facebook, which I know many of you are, so... Um, Anyway, you know, you can follow me there and what have you. So let's talk about this for just one segundo. And that, of course, what I'm talking about is Cinco de Mayo. But wait a minute. Before I talk about Cinco de Mayo, let's talk about May the 4th. Because as you very well know, May the 4th is is become a very popular um, quasi-holiday. And it's just really been kind of getting bigger and bigger and more popular over the years, especially now. And it's become known as Star Wars Day. Um, It was started as a pun, you know, warmly. It was shared by fans and of Star Wars fans, it's just become a very full-fledged Star Wars holiday, and it's a special once-a-year celebration, and um, um, actually, fun fact, one of the earliest known recorded uses of May the 4th, be with you, was used in popular culture, was in 1979, uh, which was by author Alan Arnold while he was chronicling the making of The Empire Strikes Back for Lucasfilm. Um, So that's interesting. Now, then what ended up happening was um, kind of social media took over, okay? So um, 
but I'm gl- I'm kind of glad that Lucasfilm embraced the idea, and um, you know the official Star Wars social media channels even created a hashtag Star Wars Day to help spread the word and showcase fan activity. And as the years kind of rolled by, more and more official partners have offered sales, giveaways, exclusives. There's even been hosted parties and other activities to honor the day. So, you know, it's, re- it's really a, a fan day. It's really a, fan, a day for us fans to just kind of be with each other, you know, in the Star Wars verse. And, um, you know, uh, like, for example, I, one of the things that I really enjoyed was there was this uh, playlist published for Star Wars Day. It was on, you can actually find it on StarWars.com. Um, it was written, it's written, this is written by, uh, let's see if I can find the name of the article writer. Hello. It's Brian Young is the name of the article writer. So, you know, they have like, um, things you should watch to celebrate Star Wars Day. So, for example, um, Star Wars The Phantom Menace, which is how Jedi are trained specifically. So in the opening chapter of this saga, it offers the first look of Jedi Order, its hierarchy, what training a Jedi might entail, and the dynamic between a master and apprentice. Uh, It also explores the idea of the living force. After that, um, Mr. Young uh, suggests, you know, watching Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, um, because why would you not watch Empire Strikes Back for any reason? Uh, you know, and for that, um, yeah, I mean, really, my gosh, it's, it shows Luke Skywalker at his best and at his worst. You know, it shows us how Yoda basically takes him on the hero's journey. And, well, he starts him on the hero's journey, and then he kind of goes off from there. Then uh, he advises to watch Star Wars The Clone Wars series, specifically Season 3, Episode 14, Witches of the Mist. Um, in this episode, we watch Dooku training his new apprentice, um, and he shows how he adapts Yoda's training style to the dark side, and it actually offers a window into its aggressive nature. I agree. I agree with that. Um, so the other, the other, um, thing to watch is also the Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the Mortis arc, uh, season three, episode 15, 16 and 17, which shows us a whole new world of the Force, literally. Uh, Mortis is the nexus of the power through which all the Force flows, and there's just a mystery about it. And um, then he also, you know, says to watch uh, the Yoda arc, and also um, in Star Wars Rebels, which is one of the newer, which is actually the newest series, uh, there's an episode, season two, episode 16, where Ezra Bridger, which is a Jedi Knight in training, uh, goes on a quest for the secret to destroy the Sith, which brings him, along with his friends, to the Jedi Temple hidden on Lothal. Visions are seen and contact with Master Yoda is made, setting all of them on new paths that will change them forever. Again, more Star Wars Rebels, uh, Twilight of the Apprentice, Season 2, Episodes 21 and 22. Um, so they visited a, a Jedi temple in one episode. In this one, they visit a Sith temple. And really, what does that look like? That, that's, that was an interesting episode, i got to admit. That was really awesome. And then uh, number five on his list, The Force Awakens, where um, this kind of took the understanding of the Force to an, just another level. And we see the Force through Rey. 
and how she kind of comes to her maturity. Um, or well, I wouldn't say maturity. She she kind of becomes born into the force as it as it becomes manifested in her. After that, he advises going to see Rogue One, a Star Wars story, uh, which you find out about uh, Chirrut uh, Emwe, which is a devotee of the Force, but he does not wield it. That was an interesting character, actually. I am one of the Force of the Forces with me, and I'm one of the Force of the Forces with me. You know, I, I, I actually really enjoyed um, that movie on multiple levels. Um, I mean, it was a fantastic movie, action-packed. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, I loved it. So there you go. And he's got other stuff on here, more Star Wars Rebels links. Um, and you can find this article on starwars.com. It's called the playlist, the guide to the force. And there you go. So that's about, uh, May the 4th. And now what about Cinco de Mayo? So, you know, Cinco de Mayo is actually a really um, confusing holiday for a lot of people. Uh, And it's also very misunderstood. First of all, I make the same confusion. It is not Mexican Independence Day. Mexican Independence Day is on September 16th. I'm going to say that one more time. The Cinco de Mayo is not. Mexican Independence Day. Mexican Independence Day occurs on September 16th. Okay. Cinco de Mayo is an annual celebration held on May 5th. Okay. The date the date is observed to commemorate the Mexicans army, excuse me, the Mexican army's victory over French forces at the Battle of the Puebla on May 5th, 1862, who under the leadership of General Ignacio Zaragoza. Now, in the U.S., this this holiday has, be, has taken on a completely different significance. Okay, in the U.S., it's become a day associated with the celebration of Mexican American culture. Now, in the Mexico, the, this has become mostly a ceremonial day, and they mostly celebrate it through military uh, par- parades and such. So, two different kind of ways of celebrating this. So in the U.S., um, it's sometimes mistaken. In fact, it's mistaken many times. In fact, I've mistaken it many times for Mexico's Independence Day, which we just found out it's not. And, um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened in this, in this day. So, um, you know, you have to remember there, the French actually occupied Mexico for a period of time, okay? Um, so there was the French occupation of Mexico, which took place in the aftermath of the Mexican-American War of 1846-48 and the 1858-61 Reform War. Okay, the Reform War was a civil war which put the liberals who believed in separation of church and state and freedom of religion against the conservatives who favored a tight bond between the Roman church, Catholic church and the Mexican state. These wars almost bankrupted the Mexican treasury. On July 17, 1861, then-Mexican President Benito Juarez issued a cease and desist in which all foreign debt payments would be suspended for two years. Well, in response, Britain, France, and Spain sent naval forces to Veracruz to demand reimbursement. 
Britain and Spain negotiated with Mexico and withdrew, but France, at the time that was ruled by Napoleon, decided to, well, Napoleon III, decided to use the opportunity to establish a Latin American empire in Mexico that would favor French interests, the Second Mexican Empire. Well, the French didn't like that. Late in 1861, a well-armed French fleet stormed Veracruz, landing a large French force driving President Juarez and his government into retreat. Moving on from Veracruz towards Mexico City, the French army encountered heavy resistance from the Mexicans close to Puebla at the Mexican forts of Loreto and Guadalupe. The 6,000-strong member French army attacked a much smaller and poorly equipped Mexican army of 2,000. Yet, on May 5, 1862, the Mexicans managed to decisively crush the French army, then considered the premier army in the world. So there you have it. That, That is really what Cinco de Mayo is all about. And I actually know many um, Mexicans that really do not appreciate that we are so ecstatic about this holiday, mainly because it's an annoying thing. It's like they, or this is what they tell me, you know, it's like, okay, you guys really don't understand the true relevance of this. Think, think of it this way. I can understand about what they're, where they're coming from, but think of it this way. It would be as if, you know, 4th of July was celebrated because some country thought that it was the day where we, I don't know. What if they thought it was 9-11? How about that? How about that? That would be messed up, although I don't see how they would have thought that because two different dates. But the point is, we would be equally frustrated. So there you have it. Okay. On with the weird news of the day. Actually, I'm going to do a little quick bumper. Um, where are you? Where are you? Quick I'm not sure why that played. I really don't know why that played. Hold on a second, guys. There we go. Much, much better. Okay, so this is what you're hearing is X Tenebris, which was uh, done by Daniel uh, Edenfield. Which, by the way, I think there's a congratulations in order for Mr. Edenfield. Let me see if I can find where. Um, there it is. Believe that there is. Uh, where are you, Daniel? I know he put this. Aha. Okay, so Daniel Edenfield, you guys know that I use his music a lot in the show, as well as Holden Strianess's, Ricky Moch's music. Um, these are all guys that are from actually another state of Florida. And um, Daniel doing this uh, music in this video game that's actually hit Steam Greenlight, which is a program to make video games into reality. And um, anyway, I'm going to share this right now. It's called Valiant Saga, and um, looks really cool, actually. Uh, let me mute this. I don't want this to... Okay. Um, in Valiant Saga... 
can live the experience of a kingdom in despair. An evil sorcerer has seized the legendary relic known as the Scepter of Desolation, which according to legend is able to grant the absolute darkest powers to the one who finds it. So wielding the Scepter of Desolation, Reinhardt, Rein, Reinhardt yeah, has become a necromancer and thirsts for revenge against the kingdom of Gilgala. Power nearly unstoppable, Reinhardt must be stopped before the realm is bathed in blood. game, classic Castlevania style. The original pixel art is kind of an exclusive epic metal soundtrack by games that is so challenging difficulty. It's got collectible relics, secondary missions. You can talk to entities around the village to perform your enemy in the world. Non-linear participation. And um, uh, captivating storyline. So I'm looking at it right now. It looks good. It looks just like a Castlevania. I agree. Anyway, if you guys can just kind of help the little bit every boat helps bring it closer. All right, weird news of the day is it a ghost or a girl or both? The picture captured by trail cam in upstate New York was a blurry black and white image of a young girl walking through the woods. And now locals are wondering, is the youngster a present-day person or a ghost from the past? So there's different people thinking different things. The camera, which was positioned near Route 74 in the town, was set up by new landowners who want to hunt in the area to make sure that people were not crossing the land and would be in danger. The police chief says he believes the image is real, not the product of countryside shenanigans. And he is mystified, quoted as saying, I've lived here all my life. I've never heard of a ghost running around the woods, he said. He told local stations that the landowners who saw the image several weeks ago have become more and more anxious to identify the girl and contact her family. According to local news about that area, residents say there is a legend about a girl who was hit and killed on train tracks that used to run through the area. Meanwhile, of course, the picture has attracted the attention of local paranormal enthusiasts president of the paranormal research team in neighboring Greenwich, Tanya Woodward, was quoted as saying, we like to look at the actual footage and the actual camera it came from. There's lots of historical places in the area, and we do pick up a lot of stuff from that. She went on to tell the station that the image on its own does not have enough information for her to interpret. Trail cams don't take the best pictures, she said. Oh. So she's trying to get permission to visit the property with her team to determine if there is indeed any possible paranormal activity. The landowner, unfortunately, has requested privacy. Meanwhile, um, the um, chief did tell, um, or excuse me, the representative from, yes, the chief, yes, did say that the man had called and said the girl is granddaughter who was visiting from out of state and had walked on a path to the property and uh, apparently, he said his department had received other calls about the photo, but there are no solid leads, adding that anyone with information about the girls should contact his office. Well, there you go. I don't know. I'm looking at the photo right now. I'm going to go ahead and share it. Hold on. I am going to say this is a real person. I don't think it's a ghost. Simply because, first of all, it's too clear. Um, it's way too defined. 
Um, you can tell that. I mean, yeah, I know that parts of it look like she's see-through, but I think that's only because she's in motion. And trail cams are not high depth. I mean, I know some are, but even the ones that are high depth don't take the greatest pictures. They were they're just made just motion capture and it's a still and it's a still shot and it's quick so you're not going to get the greatest quality picture guys i mean i'm looking at this i don't see anything in this that makes me think this is a ghost not even remotely that this is a real person i mean i sure i hope that whoever this little girl is her family finds her because i know i would be absolutely just devastated if oh my gosh i can't even think about it well New York and Governor Andrew Cuomo isn't afraid of ghosts, but tell you what, there are some spooky noises keeping him awake at night while he stays in the governor's mansion in Albany. Democrat told the Long Island crowd Thursday that during legislative sessions he spends evenings unsettled by unexplained noises in the 161-year-old mansion near the Capitol building. He was quoted as saying, now I don't believe in ghosts, and I'm a big tough Italian guy, but I tell you, it gets creepy in that house. There's a lot of noises that go on, and you are very alone. The governor, who spends most of his time at his family home in Westchester, has mentioned apparitions in the reported, reputedly haunted mansion before. In an April speech in Harlem, he was said that he spends eerie, sleepless nights reading about past governors. The only known death in the mansion was 1909, when the Reverend David T. Hughes, father of Governor Charles Hughes, died from a stroke of apoplexy, according to state archives. Well, New York State Capitol uh, Assistant Curator Stuart Lehman said historians have no reason to believe Hughes had unfinished business that would cause the spirit to remain in the house, but Albany State buildings brim with reports of paranormal activity. Lehman, who leads popular Capitol hauntings tour every Halloween, has said visitors and staffers report supernatural sounds and sightings in other state buildings. The sound of jangling keys from the spirit of a watchman who died in Capitol's 1911 fire and the ghost of a benevolent librarian who resides in the state education building. Former Governor David Patterson, who spent some time in the mansion before Cuomo took office, said he also believes the house is haunted. Patterson told the New York Post that one evening, staff told him the sound of a vase smashing was caused by the spirit of the building's original groundskeeper. He also said his five-year-old nephew told him he could feel an invisible hand guiding him up the mansion stairs. <laughs> this is my favorite quote. Governor Cuomo should be relieved, Patterson said. It's a friendly ghost like Casper. Sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure every parent here would not have any problem with their kid following a ghost hand up a flight of stairs. Sure. Well, all of you guys out there that have, that go along with the theory of the Bermuda Triangle, that methane bubbles are sinking your ship, there's a physicist that says, fuckus to that. Apparently, some researchers have suggested that ships lost in the so-called Bermuda Triangle may have been pulled under by methane bubbles from undersea gas explosions. In fact, uh, interestingly enough, there is a similar similar uh, plot device that is was used in the Clive Cussler recent book release, Odessa Sea, although in his, really, in his book, uh, it was some kind of hydrogen meth, uh, sulfide gas or something like that uh, that was in the Black Sea that they used in that book something as a, but they weaponized it so anyway physicist Helen Chersky I hope I'm saying that correctly who is a lecturer in the Department of Mechanical Engineering at University College London and author of the book Storm in a Teacup said it just does not work that way now 
I, there is a video about this, but unfortunately, I cannot play it. So what I'm going to do is, as always, I'm going to, um, where is it? I'm going to put it on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. Here you go. I just put it on our Facebook page. And where's our Twitter? Which, by the way, if you don't know, guys, Twitter uh, Twitter feed is Emmy Shift Show. That's Emmy Shift Show. There we go. I just put it on our Twitter feed. And there you have it. All right, let me see. So there's that. And since we were talking about, you know, May the 4th, <laughs> there is an actual real left Earth Vader. He works at a hospital. <laughs> he is in a Tennessee hospital. He's known as the Force for Good, though, not evil. Darth Vader Williamson, this is his actual name, Darth Vader, is a 39-year-old surgery tech who was named after the famous Star Wars character. And uh, he was kind of being celebrated during May the 4th. In a video interview released by St. Francis Hospital, Bartlett, where he's worked for the last 10 years, Williamson revealed that it was his father's decision to name him after the famous Fifth Lord, perhaps against his mother's better judgment. Quoted as saying, when I was born, my mother wanted me to be named Junior, which was after my father, Anthony Lee Williamson. But with him being a Star Wars buff, I mean, what a Star Wars buff he was enamored by the character of Vader. He was like, this will be one bad name for our son. That's, by the way, that's bad. It's good. William said that his father convinced his mother, likely with the help of general anesthesia. When she came around and realized the name they selected for his birth certificate, she was like, what have I done? Though the name has had its ups and downs growing up as a kid, today he says he loves it and later changed it to one word instead of two. He apparently used it to get into fights and... Um, People used to call him, hey, space boy, that kind of thing. And um, he told the uh, Tennessean that it's gotten him out of traffic tickets, given him a 4% reduction on a credit card rate, and led to invites to Star Wars events. He's even requested, received requests for autographs and pictures, which he thinks is a bit much. That's not to say that he's not a big fan. He is. Uh, in fact, if you invite him to see one of the movies, he likely won't go. I have not seen Star Wars, Past Return of the Jedi, he says. All the new ones haven't come out, never seen them. Also, if he had to pick a favorite Star Wars character, it wouldn't be his namesake. It'd be Boba Fett. So there you go. That's interesting. How about that? So those of you, I know we got uh, listeners over in the, in the uh, across the pond in the UK. Apparently there was an emergency meeting called at Buckingham Palace. Britain's royal family set the internet into overdrive on Thursday morning. Rumors began swirling online after the Daily Mail reported via Al. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't via Al. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. That Queen Elizabeth's entire household had been called together for an emergency meeting at Buckingham Palace. Royal officials later revealed the real reason for the all-hands meeting was to announce the retirement of Prince Philip, who was the Queen's 95-year-old husband from official engagements later this year. But in the time it took for the palace to make the official announcement, speculation and panic took over, with much of it centering on the possibility that Prince Philip, also known as the Duke of Edinburgh, or another senior member of the royal family had died. There, there's memes all over the place about this. So, well, apparently he's in good health. I mean, he opened a new stand at the Lord's Cricket Ground in London on Wednesday. And you can see all of the interesting um, uh, little um, memes that popped up. In fact, I will show them now. Here we go. Just posted it on Facebook. 
and I am posting it on our Twitter feed. And let me see, here we go. Okay, where am I? Okay, next, from one side of the pond to the other. Well, as if you did not need to be reminded, Donald Trump is the president of the United States of America. And aside from completely repealing and replacing Obamacare, or at least, well, in the House, it still has to clear the Senate, well, apparently someone did something. There has been a picture posted about Donald Trump, President Trump, recently, and it's freaking everybody out. So first I'm going to show the picture. I'm, I'm going to share it with you guys. Now, if you're following us live, I'm posting this on our Facebook feed, which is my Facebook page, Emilio Diaz. It's, it's uh, facebook.com slash Shogun. Or if you're not on my friends list, you can... You can follow this at our Twitter feed, which is Emmy Shift Show. Okay. Now, if you're on this link, it shows a picture of Donald Trump um, and congressional Republicans celebrating in the White House Rose Garden after the House passed a measure to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act on Thursday. Well, look closer. Because all of those people in the picture have the exact same face. And that's Representative Mark Meadows. The video producer, uh, BuzzFeed, uh, Amanda Holland, edited the image, shared it to Twitter on Thursday, and it's gone viral. And she was quoted as saying, would you have noticed if I hadn't said anything? She She captioned it with hashtag GOP clone. And no, I would not have noticed at all. It's actually very uh, disquieting. And really says a lot. It really says a lot about the way things are. I'm just going to leave it at that. You can take that however you wish. Speaking of Trump, how many of you have taken a dump lately? Well, now that you um, if you want to, a series of gold toilets with the words take a Trump have started popping up in cities all over the U.S. on the 100th day of his presidency. A lift of the lid shows a picture of a pig wearing a crown. Well, as you might expect, they're causing a uh, <coughs> commotion wherever they are placed. <laughs> you know, I can't even. I, I'm not even going to no. You guys can look this up. I'm sorry. I'm not going anywhere with that. Well, I'm sure many of you have heard of the president's uh, new hotline for criminal aliens. You know, when he signed an executive order in January targeting what he called criminal aliens, he probably was not thinking of it like this. Immigration and Customs Enforcement unveiled its Victims of Immigration Crime Engagement Office Wednesday, one of the results of Trump's order, and it includes a hotline for victims of criminal aliens. Well, uh, critics such as Representative Norma Torres, who's a Democrat out of California, say the new office is part of the Trump administration's effort to, quote, perpetuate a stereotype that immigrants are dangerous and something to be feared. Others are taking their criticism a step further, turning it into a form of performance art by calling the 1-855-48-VOICE, that's 1-855-48-6423 phone number, to report space aliens. Because it's criminal aliens, right? So, I mean, everybody's probably calling, talking about you know, Superman going rogue or Darth Vader or the alien from the Aliens movie. I mean, you know, 
Good lord, guys. Mars attack. Go nuts. Please don't do this. Speaking of using things for other than what they're supposed to be used for, this is actually a little more serious. Apparently, ISIS, the very infamous terrorist organization, is telling terrorists to use Craigslist and eBay to lure hostages by listing items for sale. ISIS has urged its followers to use sales websites like Craigslist and eBay to lure unsuspecting victims to their homes before taking them hostage and killing them. The latest edition of the ISIS magazine, Rumia, I cannot believe there's an actual magazine. Wow. Wow. Published tutorials on vehicle, knife, and arson attacks for so-called lone wolf terrorists planning attacks in the West. Published in 10 languages, the magazine offers a guide on how to select a target and lure him to an appropriate location before attacking, subduing, fighting, and then slaughtering them. Oh, you know, it makes sense. I mean, they're losing territory in Syria and Iraq and keep being driven back with the AWS-led airstrikes. Oh, God, I wish somebody would just do something with those guys. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, we're going to talk about comic book news. So why don't you guys hang in there? We'll be right back here on the Graveyard Shift Talk Show. I'm just punching in, guys. In there. Put your warp speed on hold, Graveyard Shift fan. Our illustrious host, Emmy. Why the hell does he always say that word, illustrious? We'll be right back after this break with more shifty, yeah, like shitty, awesomeness. I can't believe this guy. Who the hell does he think he is? Um, oh, okay. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be right back. This guy who's on the phone turns around and tips his hat like this. And who do you think that guy was? Emilio! <laughs> You're listening to the break. A 
Broadcasting live from a war-torn battlefield. From atop a 200-foot-tall, last-of-its-kind woolly mammoth. Driving a bunch of drunk zombies on their way to an all-you-can-eat super flesh buffet. Teaching a cat how to speak fluent Klingon. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. And now, just finished from sucker-punching your country's ruthless dictator. Because... He's just that damn cool. Here's your illustrious host, Emmy. Well, 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 welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Great Garden of Show. Final run for the All right. By the way, that little was made by Home Street as Ricky Motion. And this one all right so for those of you uh in the comic book world that are watching and listening there is a new documentary out there called batman and bill now it's already available uh it was made available may 6th which is obviously today and it's about somebody that you know about you you know what they did. You are very um, well acquainted, but you don't know them. And that someone is Bill Finger. Bill Finger is a writer that has been discredited with the co-creation of Batman throughout his life. I know, right? It's like, who is he? Who are you talking about? I mean, well, no, people don't realize that um, Bob Kane is not the sole creator of Batman, okay? Let, let me explain. So, basically, um, there is this entire history of how when it was like, you know, when Superman was, was out as a comic, they needed more heroes. So they put out a, uh, an ad, you know, these comics did, or whatever they were at that point. And well, Bob Kane saw it, and he saw it as a way to make money. And he came up with this um, idea for a character. And his Bob Kane's idea for the Batman was a guy in red spandex with a domino mask, which is kind of like the same kind of mask that Robin wears, and mechanical-type bat wings. And as you can see, I mean, it, it, it's just not remotely as cool as what happened. Well, basically, um, he called his friend Bill Finger to come over and help him out. And Bill Finger decided, you know what? This doesn't look good. We got to change it. You know, he's supposed to be a creature of the night. Why don't we make him look like a creature of the night? He darkened the costume, you know, make it, made it look more grayish. Uh, the wings became... Um, you know, more form, well, not form-fitting, but scalloped, you know, kind of movable like cape, and, of course, the cowl, the bat cowl, and uh, that was the Batman that we all know and love. So, really, Bill Finger created Batman, not Bob Kane. Bob Kane basically came up with the name, and in, in fact, more than that, Bob Kane wanted to call him Bat-Dash-Man. Bill Finger took off the dash and said, just call him Batman. So basically, Bill Finger created Batman, not Bob Kane. And in this um, 
in this documentary, uh, you learn about Bill Finger's history, his family, his struggles. Um, you really do get to appreciate um, one of the men behind this legendary character. And I will honestly say, I haven't watched the entire documentary yet, but it's so sad that he passed away and he missed out on all this recognition because he deserves it. He deserves it so much. Um, You know, I, um, I want so badly to say that this story hits very close to home because for many of you that know my story about man to man, you know that I was screwed over by uh, Toy Biz, who's the company behind Street Sharks. You know that they stole the idea of man to man from me. You know that they, oh yeah, look it up. It's (laughs) one of these days. And I had to wait until the rights came back before I could use the name man to man again. And um, I lost a lot of money in the process. I really did. Um, But this isn't about me. So um, if you will, please, for all of us in the comic book community, go on Hulu and watch Batman and Bill. It's a very poignant, powerful documentary, which tells the true story behind one of the unsung heroes of comics, uh, Bill Finger. So, all right, guys. Well, that kind of, unfortunately, (laughs) I hate to end the show like that. Um, That is it for right now. Um, So I want to thank all of you for watching and bid chat. Hello, guys. I want to thank you. And uh, tune in next week. We'll still be here. Same bat time, same bat channel on blogtalkradio.com. Excuse me, blogtalkradio.com slash the graveyard shift and bid chat. You can either download it for free via most app stores or just go to your browser, bidchat.com slash graveyard shift. So I want to thank everybody for watching. Wow, that's a lot of views. Holy cow. And um, we will see you next week here on the Graveyard Shift Talk Show. Thank you very much. This is Emmy. I'm punching out. Peace, guys. You feel that universe? That satisfied feeling only comes from having finished a super epic, awesome episode of the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Hosted by your illustrious host, Emmy. Make sure to follow on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift and our Twitter feed. Hashtag Emmy Shift Show. To stay in the loop for future episodes. Until next time, Shifties, we're punching